0: Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. So, a really long-running debate that uh, we've had that's been going – it's gotta kind of been going back kind of years now at this point. And it was really one of the impetuses for starting this entire endeavor was we've always kind of wondered how the advent of the reliever affected batting averages. And that has like a couple different elements to it when you think about it, right? Well,
1: maybe the modern reliever, right? Because there's been – there have been relievers,
0: but not uh, specialty yeah. the way that it became – more so just the idea of that you can expect to see a reliever in every game and certainly nothing like, you know, the ancient days of baseball where teams had like, what, like one or two pitchers? Not total. if you pitch
1: for the Padres on Friday night and your name is Joe Musgrave. Bro, right. You but don't that, need any relievers. Right.
0: But that's, that he, he is the exception to the rule. You're not talking about right. like back in like 1910 where like – Whatever team had, like, literally two pitchers on the roster.
1: Right, right. Guys, guys would get, I think, uh, you know, Iron Joe
0: McGinnity and some of these, you know, old Hoss Rathborn had you know, 50 starts in a year. Right. And so you, the, the idea being basically within that, that a pitcher throwing that much is going to lose effectiveness, you would think, and 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 and
1: and our, and you're exactly right. We did kind of talk about this because we, we expected that a tired pitcher would allow,
0: you know, for a hitter late in the game maybe to take advantage. And so this has been something we've always wondered. And I was actually rather shocked to find that we are able to actually pull the by inning statistics. For most of the players For a career aggregate Now unfortunately Some of the most interesting players To look at We don't have statistics for So like a guy like Honus Wagner Right Played at a time Where we just don't have The Reporting game Reporting was a little spotty back Right then. And even a guy like Ty Cobb Recording. We wanted to look at Like I, I think when we I looked over his career statistics For by inning We only had like About a third to a half Of, of his, his career, career. Right, at bats right. So I dropped those guys Off of this Because I really wanted to focus on guys that we could say we definitively had their whole career tracked for, so we're
1: not going to talk about Ty Cobb. We're
0: not going to talk about Ty Cobb because it, it just how could we really be fair in that? We're so, missing half of his career at bats from the beginning part of his career where you could argue, you know, he's in some of his prime. So that just didn't ever feel fair, fair to me. But I do remember looking at his his stats, and so it was Cobb's
1: career three sixty six, which will never be equaled or surpassed, and we, we all think yeah, yeah. Um, that that we felt or I felt at the division I think we both did that. It was probably, you know, affected by the late inning games, you know, where he got hits more than maybe he did in the first six innings. And that actually, even in the career we were able to pull off of him,
0: didn't necessarily bear out the way that we thought. Yeah, I mean, because looking at looking at his stats actually specifically for that, he hit 355 in the first three innings, 338 in innings four through six. And 376 in ending seven through nine. and it, For the years that we have recorded, which I think we, have, we didn't
1: have like the first eight years of his career. But
0: like Ty Cobb had for his total in his career, he had uh, 13,000 or like 11,000 at bats. Uh, we have about 3,000 at bats tracked. Right, right, right.
1: But at least the ones that we do have support the idea that support he, the the idea, but, yeah. 7, 8, nine. But unfortunately, no, we're no, missing no. almost
0: okay. 75% okay. of right, his career, right. actually, now that I look at it. It's even worse. So these are the players I have for our historical perspective, just to kind of run you through the names. We have Babe Ruth. That's pretty historical. Joe DiMaggio. Willie Mays. Um, anybody not from New York uh, we do have a couple (laughs) we do have a uh, Hank Aaron okay good good Ted Williams Uh, definitely not from New York we do go back to New York for Lou Gehrig okay yeah Stan Musial oh Al Kaline these are fantastic names Mickey Mantle Mickey Mantle and we end it with Frank Robinson oh okay well that is a terrific um layout of players I, I wanted to go with these guys because these guys across the board were also really good hitters so variations in their average could be less explained to them just being inconsistent hitters. Like if we were looking at 250 hitters across the board, you might see more natural variation in their averages between innings because they're just not very good. <laughs> Where right. all of these guys are good, so you know they're consistent. But then to compare, I wanted to give a mix of modern guys to look at. So we're going to look at Mark McGuire, A-Rod, Barry Bonds, Pool hosts, Chipper Jones, Cal Ripken, Miguel Cabrera, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, and Manny Ramirez.
1: So everybody in that group is a Hall of Famer except for Manny, except for – well,
0: Chipper's a Hall of Famer. Chipper's a Hall of Famer. Um, And and Cabrera. And Cabrera, who who will be a Hall of Famer. will be a Hall of Famer, yes. And then you've got – we've got two extra guys we'll take a look at whose careers kind of – because in a lot of ways it's interesting. Part of this discussion has to go into when did relievers kind of become – something you saw in most games.
1: Yeah, I think in one of our prior podcasts, I remember when when I was a kid, they talked about the reliever being a fireman and that was a big thing. Oh, what? Are, he gets fireman. They even had an award like fireman of the year. Um
0: this was before the save became the save a, became an official statistic in 1980. I 69 know. Uh, the major, I think they didn't start tracking it until the 80s. Though I think
1: Bill Singer of the of the Dodgers got the first save in 1969. Hmm. So that's the beginning of divisional play. It makes sense that they would do something like that. I don't think it was 1980. Yeah, I it because was Raleigh Fingers was getting saves for the A's back when. That's the first relief pitcher I remember as being like, "Whoa!" Bill bring... Singer
0: was the first recorded pitcher in 1969. You are correct.
1: So, 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 I, and, the, and the A's won those three championships in 72, three and four. As much behind Raleigh Fingers' amazing mustache and his great relief pitching.
0: Um, But the difference was nobody counted it as an important statistic because it was too... the The criteria wasn't specific enough. It was too easy to qualify because there was a save like Ron Taylor for the Mets got a save in a twenty to six game. Doctor Ron Taylor, yeah, that's sort of like the game winning RBI stat. There, it sounds like a little bit, right? Right. So they (laughs) tightened it to make it closer to the modern rules, and that was in seventy four. Okay. So that was kind of when relievers started to become more of a thick, like you started to see them. Consistently, You could expect within the run of a game that a reliever was going to come in at some point. Instead, right, You had of your it.
1: guys like uh, Lee Smiths and your Jeff Reardon's were your relievers that got on the all-time saves list. And they were like – Reardon was like near the top. And a lot of people haven't even heard of Jeff Reardon. He's got over 300 career saves.
0: At one time, I think he might have had the most. And, and guys back then, you would have one reliever that threw a lot of innings. You didn't have – like 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 the the top relievers in the league. I think like there was one year where a guy threw like one hundred and thirty eight innings yeah, in a relief. Right. And then like f- for most of the late two thousands, I think like Pedro Feliciano would lead the league in right. innings pitched, right. and he would be like that 88 88 92, one year. Yeah, right, right, ninety two. Like guys just right. didn't throw that many innings. Yep. So looking at this, we'll just start kind of going into the numbers. So we'll start with the highest career WAR player. Uh, not, you know, we can really say, and that is Babe Ruth, who was a career 342 hitter. So when we look at his splits, only hit 334 in the first three innings, 343 in innings four through six and 365 in innings seven through nine. Okay. So you're starting to see, boom, guy right there, one of the earlier players in his career. You can see the effect that it had for him. When there were no relievers,
1: so so I know. Are you going to go down the list because you you said highest war? And I thought, doesn't Barry Bonds have the highest? I think let me. I think
0: Bonds might strip him, but some. So,
1: so all I wanted to do is to be interested to compare the two of them since you've got them
0: from different years. No, Ruth has one hundred and eighty-two. Okay, okay. Bonds has one sixty-two. Yep, yep. But we can look at we can look at Bonds right now. So Bonds has a career two ninety-eight average. And then when we look at his by inning stats, he was. 306 in innings one through three. 304 in innings four well, through three. know, six, the last
1: three have to be worse.
0: 283 yeah, in innings seven really through nine. That's interesting. So okay. I think you're going to see that a lot with the modern guys. And when did Bonds play in the age of dominant it, relievers? In the age of specifically late game relievers. And because not even
1: not even not as even bad like, as it is today. Not
0: even as bad as it is today, but he played in the era of closers where yes, like every yeah. team had a dominant closer. But to kind of go back, so we have another guy, another older guy. Now, he played a little bit later on compared to uh, Ruth, obviously, but this is Joe DiMaggio. He was a career 325 hitter. So he's another guy. Now, here's where it kind of gets interesting because this is where not everything was exact. So, again, 321 hitter in the first three innings. Okay. 324 um, in the last Oh, he must have killed it in, 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 in the last three, three innings. 328.
1: Like, 321,
0: 324, 328. He was super consistent. He got a little bit better, but that variation is nothing like the variation we saw with Ruth. Mm -hmm. Or Bonds. Or 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 Bonds, yeah. And then we have another guy. Now, this is obviously – many people would consider the greatest hitter of all time, Ted Williams. Yep. So 344 career hitter, which – I mean, just right there, I think not enough people appreciate how nutty that is when he was doing that.
1: Right, right. Because after Cobb, uh, I think uh, Wagner has an average that's probably up that high. But I would say Williams has
0: got to have one of the highest career averages. Right. And this is where it gets really interesting. 347 in innings 1 through 3. 348 <laughs> in innings 4 through 6. 323 in innings 7 through 9. So he gets 20 points worse in the last three innings. That's interesting. Now... Uh, you 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 know we're not getting
1: into when guys did that in their careers. Um, we'll go get back to Williams in a second, but in Bonds's case, I wonder how much his average has changed in the first half of his career and the second half of his career when he took all the walks. Remember, he he, he walked so much, and so everything was inflated. He had that crazy year with average where he batted three seventy.
0: And if anything, it would lead him to having a worse overall average because he would be more likely to walk early in the game than later in the game.
1: Yeah, another question you could wonder about. Is that true? I don't even know, because wouldn't you he's a manager? Like, you know what? I want nothing to do but with Bonds be, when the game's on the line. At the
0: same time, there would be more opportunities, I feel like, where you'd have to pitch to him because you couldn't afford to put a guy on base. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so back to
1: Williams. Um, so what would have been distinguishing about that time? Well, you know Williams lost, I think, almost three years in the service in the prime of his career. Right. So I don't know what his post-service... Uh, you know service Uh, statistics were versus his pre-service statistics he was pretty young when he went in the service so most of his career was after the service
0: i believe now you could also say it looks like he was just supremely unlucky in the last innings of the give me a bad stat here yeah so he was a 343 (laughs) batting average on balls in play in innings one through three 332 in innings four through six 296 Inning seven through well, The guys
1: nine. just fielded really well at uh, the yeah. end of the game. <laughs> so he apparently
0: just got supremely unlucky also. <laughs>
1: well, actually, and Williams is a guy who you probably know was famous uh, for be,
0: having them devise the shift for him. The, the Ted
1: Williams shift was a
0: thing. And, and so you could, I wonder if considering the way the shift was historically looked at, I wonder if it was the kind of thing that became more acceptable later on in the game to invoke because it was like a tighter game. So now playing that because like, you used to never see teams take shifts Early in games, right, and, and I don't know if the sh- that's a great qu- question in my mind too. Did Williams the Ted Williams shift happen early in his
1: career or late in his career when he was when he he would hit it into the shift and hit it so hard to get a base hit anyway. Williams was such a great hitter,
0: yeah. And, but I mean, there's still lots of great hitters. I mean, like you had Willie Mays, who was a career 302 hitter, but then you get to once you go to the by the innings, you have him as a 297 hitter in innings one through three, and also innings four through six but a three sixteen hitter or three thirteen hitter in inning seventh or nine.
1: That's interesting, and he played the bulk of his career before the age of relievers.
0: Yeah, like towards because he played for. That's a hard thing with Willie, is he played for so long? Twenty two seasons, I think. Yeah, like and he played. Just, so that that also makes it like really difficult to like totally like evaluate him because he had a lot of especially years towards the end of his career where he really wasn't playing that much.
1: But you could begin to try to un- unpack. Is having a three sixteen average in the last three innings compared to his two ninety seven in the first six
0: frames, is that a sign of clutchness? It might be. I mean, then you've got Hank Aaron, who again, I think this is less a thing of clutch, but this is just more the hypothesis showing that there is some correlation because Hank Aaron was a three zero five hitter, except he hit two ninety two in innings one through three, three zero six in innings four through six, and three eighteen in innings. Seven through nine, defying it. So, boom, boom, boom gets better as the game goes on. But and
1: again, so those would be the kind of things I'd expect seeing in in Wagner Honest Wagner's Wagner's uh, record <laughs> and Ty Cobb's record if we had his whole career that he he and and it but does
0: lean that even way. even with a guy like Aaron, you have to remember. He played at a time while there were relievers. I have to imagine, with the way professional sports and baseball, particularly, Hall, have been, relievers weren't like good pitchers back then. They were the guys that just weren't good enough to be starters. You're 100 percent right. And, so, and
1: complete games were uh, still the dominant. Still the dominant. And these guys came up in the early to mid early right. 50s. So if
0: a reliever was in, you were still probably even facing a reliever. You were still probably facing an inferior pitcher to a tired starter. Right.
1: Taking out your starter wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna get better if you're bringing in a relief pitcher no. who, who who was not even half the pitcher
0: but i mean you can still go back i mean here's a guy that comes from a time where i mean Stan usual definitely was playing at a time where there weren't a lot of relievers no absolutely he came up in the late 40s and he was a career uh 330 hitter 333 hitter yeah 331 331 yeah so he now this is where it's interesting and this is where i think with some of the older guys it can be a little bit off because he was a 330 hitter in innings one through three a 331 hitter in innings four through six and a 327 hitter in innings seven through nine that's consistent you that's know just what? that's statistically yeah. really insignificant it's statistically insignificant because the thing is you have to remember is yes he hit worse in innings through seven through nine but you're going to generally take less at bats because very often you won't get any at bats at all in the ninth and, inning. and
1: was a pitcher really giving stan musial something to hit in those last three innings particularly on the cardinal right. teams in which he was the
0: big time hitter so that obviously. tells you the duke could just hit well he wasn't called stand the man yeah. for nothing so so it tells you he was just going to hit no matter who he faced and there really wasn't like suddenly facing a worse pitcher wasn't going to really change that. Wasn't it in that book that,
1: that we talked about in one of our earlier podcasts that I gave you, Strange But True Baseball Stories, where was it, that the book where Musial was playing outfield and he ran into the wall in the minor leagues and he comes back holding his shoulder? He was a pitcher, mm-hmm. right now, primary, And, and so the guy goes, Oh my God, he ran into the wall. And he, goes, and he watched Musial get up later in the game and crack, like, you know, a, a, a base hit or two and go, That man's not a pitcher.
0: That man's a hitter.
1: Yeah, that would be Stan Musial.
0: Yeah, and I mean, speaking of hitters, we had Mickey Mantle. And I mean, here's another guy that the hypothesis plays out for He's a 298 career hitter, except he hit 289 in the first three innings, 297 innings four through six, 307 in innings seven through nine. So you could see. For some guys, it definitely made a difference. All right, so uh,
1: let's see. Can you figure out what I'm thinking now? When I hear about Mantle, I, I think, and I think about his career. I think about first half of his career and second half is of his career. And, and what would the differences be? Did they get better or worse in latter stages of the game as their
0: career went on? Or was it the same? Mm-hmm. I mean, here, I mean, there's still, we only got like one or, we got one more historical player to really go through. And that's Al Kaline, 297 career hitter. I think a lot of people don't, and yeah, he's another guy. What's interesting? What's with a first baseman kind of being like this? Because he's kind of similar to uh, Musial. Because Musial was a first baseman, right? Musial was an outfielder. It was okay. I thought he was a first nope, baseman nope, too. Nope. But uh, two ninety seven career hitter, two ninety seven innings one through three, <clears> two ninety six innings. I uh, know 299 ending seventh through 4 through 6 296 ending 7 through 9. He fell down on those last three.
1: Just dude, dude <laughs> consistently. Hit. Yeah, and and K Line was a guy who had uh you know 400 career home runs uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, uh, just you know a great all-time great and, and passed away and recently and, and probably doesn't get his due outside of the uh, baseball community as one of the great players of all time. Interestingly
0: he had most of his power came in the first inning. He had 74 career home runs in the first three, in the first inning alone. And that was the most he had in any inning. Interesting. Now, granted, it makes sense because he's guaranteed to get the most at bats in the first inning if he's hitting in the three spot. That that is true. And and you know, with all the great starters that were that
1: these guys were facing, each team probably had two great starters, and then they had, you know, two or three other pitchers that would be starting pitchers that guys that were great hitters would probably have a lot easier time than trying to get hits off Drysdale and Koufax, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people like that, that, you know, uh, you know, were but, so Gaylord they, Perry and, you know, yeah. Marichal.
0: But these guys, those guys, you know, they had to face those, you know, incredible starters, but they didn't have to face all those incredible relievers that all of the current players have had to face. So you look at a guy like A-Rod, who was a career 295 hitter. I think some people forget... He was a good average hitter, so he hit two ninety five in his career, two eighty nine in the first three innings. So you know, so he obviously got better. Three thirteen in the middle innings, middle innings, two eighty one, <sighs> innings seven through nine, and
1: and again another guy who's um, early. The, the first half of his career statistically was mind-boggling, as many guys played well, play. Just
0: right. like the next guy we're going to go over, Right, right. Albert And, and so you wonder how different it was as, as time you know went on. Yeah, because Albert Pujols is a career 298 hitter. But if you just isolate that nutty stretch he had at the start of his career, it'd be something even wackier. But even he is a guy 298. He hit 294 in the first three innings, 310 in innings, 4 through 6, 291 inning seven through nine, so I think that's what you're going to see with a lot of these the modern players is that their middle innings are where they really feast because that's where you're either knocking out a starting pitcher that's having a poor performance or you're feasting on the less powerful parts of the opponent's bullpen.
1: And I and I think you know it's it, it would hold up that that the hitters let's say since 2000,
0: maybe, yeah. you know, and that's using host is a really good
1: poster child for that because he came up in 01, I think, um, and you know that those players will almost. I don't know if you'll be able to find a player who's you know probably be only worth looking at really good players that has an average that's higher in the last If
0: you're not going to see it. I don't Chipper so. Jones 303 career hitter 308 308 290 right right it's just it plays out the same for all of them Manny another unbelievable 312 career average but you get down to those the, 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 the you, once you look at by inning 310 333 290 that's a 43-point drop.
1: So what makes me think about it jumping up that much is that, okay, so let's say Ramirez is in the game, and the first time through the order, the pitcher gets through three innings, he hits 313. The same pitcher's in there, second, third time through the order, innings four through six. The starting pitcher's still in there. Matty jumps up to 333, and then the relievers come pouring on at the end of the game, and he drops down. And that could be a
0: trend you might see. And that's what you see across all of them. Frank Thomas was a career three eleven a 301 hitter. He hit three eleven in the first at three innings, three oh four in the four through six, two seventh through nine.
1: I think I think what's really uh more surprising is expected it to be sort of you know universal that um the players from the uh, first half of the twentieth centuries would have would much it, higher averages.
0: But it necessarily didn't work out that way. And no, there's probably a few w- reasons for that. But we are seeing what is universal is that when you look at the 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 modern players like Miguel Cabrera was a is a career three thirteen hitter. but when you look at him by inning, he goes three twelve three twenty three three oh three So all of them you're seeing pretty much play out the exact same pattern. They're good in the first three innings, get better in the middle innings, and then they all have a precipitous drop off in the last. Which is three probably innings.
1: the most significant thing is that the end of the game is where they're going to drop off. I think. I think you mentioned one player whose average actually went up in the middle three innings. from, yeah. from the first inning, so it uh, went down. Went down, Frank yeah. Thomas. Frank Thomas, you know, you know, but that, that's really again 304, three, 311, 3 311 You're to, Talking
0: about not that many hits over a, the course of a career. Right, even a guy a like you have a guy like Miguel Cabrera who drops twenty points going from four through six to seven through nine. He's still a 300 hitter. He's still an incredibly dangerous hitter late in the game, but he's not quite as dangerous a hitter because he's facing better opposition. And so to kind of close up, I did just want to look at two players. I had two more guys that I wanted to go through. And these were guys whose careers kind of bisected the age of relievers in my mind. They played at a time when like they, when they started off their careers, a guy like Mike Schmidt, when he started off his career, I mean there were relievers, but it wasn't an ever present thing. But by the time he finished his career, relievers regularly that's and pretty the, much. I think that's every right. Game. Because
1: if if you look at what well, we said, Raleigh Fingers, right? Yeah. In, in the mid seventies, so Schmidt comes up around I think the mid seventies, seventy six or something like that. Uh, I don't remember which year it was, uh, but by the time he finished, relief pitches were, you know, you guys were getting 40, 50 saves a year. I yeah, And,
0: and you can tell he was just, but again, he, he, you can see that reflected in the stats. He was a 267 career hitter. That was it. That's actually lower than I thought he would be. But um, 270, 267, 268, just consistent. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't as, a, so then the only other guy I wanted to take a look at was Joe Morgan. Because he was another guy that kind of played. Late, great Joe Morgan. Yeah. He was a 271 career hitter. Yeah. And so he was 263, 283, 265. So he had a career track similar to more of the modern players. And he came up before Schmidt. He came up but I think he played a little bit longer than him.
1: Uh he yeah, a little a little bit but Morgan was playing for the Astros right. back in the early 60s. So, you know, he didn't so that's actually a little surprising um his late game, you know.
0: Now, uh, with drop. with all of the historical players, you have to understand. We I pulled all these numbers from Baseball Reference. So, for for all the modern players we're assured that their data is complete for any of the players that played before 72 specifically they can't promise that all of the data is complete so we might we might be missing some number of at bats for those historical players averages. But you're not it would be impossible for a number to be introduced to vastly change the the averages. You know what I mean? But I, you made
1: the point um, off air that, you know, hey, we, we forget sometimes that players themselves get tired as the game goes on and that, and even as the season goes on. And so the idea that the the player would be completely Im- impervious to the change and would just face
0: a tiring pitcher, well you're not you're not crediting no, it all no, the fact we that we so often when we talk about baseball we only talk about people getting tired strictly in terms of the pitcher only the pitcher is allowed to get tired a, right. pl- a batter can't ever be tired right, We don't know right, do their job right. is difficult and and
1: what we, we didn't do and, and I, I'm, it, I'm curious enough that I might try to poke around is this, let's look at what happened
0: in the first half of the season versus the
1: second half of the season you would think you know, but, the, but the there's competing, there's, there's, tired but there's competing
0: ideas in there because people would say it's easier to hit in the first half of the season when the pitchers haven't really warmed up yet and they're still getting into their full shape and then the second i mean think about how many dominant second half pitchers we've seen when they get into those dog days of summer and they just start getting unhittable
1: and it goes the other way okay so i'm going to go the completely opposite on you so early in the season even this season uh the pitchers seem to be ahead of the hitters the hitters are struggling in general but you get into the dog days of summer and all of a sudden the ball starts flying farther pitchers are a little tired they give up more runs and they can't make it through the dog days of august because you know the the, the balls off. so you it can go it can go both it, is, ways. Yeah,
0: it would be very interesting to see this same thing if you look at like in their careers like if early in their career they get better as later into the game but right, then right. as they get older it switches because they get tired more easily that's
1: and i'm i'm gonna take a look at that Like i, I want bonds in particular i think would be very interesting to look at his career just because he and, changed
0: so drastically as a player too oh,
1: correct right physically and and just performance wise you know i mean he was a, a good great player before that but you know that one season where he batted 370 and he is on base average was you know Almost uh, 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 near nine hundred or something like that. Uh, just you know, that's so off the charts versus everybody
0: else. It's like Gretzky's ninety-two goals, right? Where it's almost it's almost hard to like evaluate that season because it's such an outlier season like but then bonds is just an outlier player he's like it's almost like with ruth where like sometimes when you're talking about them statistically you just have to remove them from the pool of all of the regular humans because like they were i remember watching uh, it was a video from i, I want to say it was a bleacher report video but it could have been like a, a Grantland video but they were basically going over barry bonds is like that 370 season where he was nutting how like nobody will ever approach approach. approach that again like in terms of his on base like like they basically calculated that he would have been a better like he would have had like a higher if he just didn't swing at any pitches he still would have been like a 300 on base guy yeah
1: i i i I, you know I really you know, think it's great to talk about Bonds as, as a player and his exploits on the field because so much of every conversation you get to Bonds has to end up talking about performance
0: enhancing, you know. You know right. But performance enhancing drugs didn't make him able to see the ball out Exactly. That well. And the, the guys wouldn't pitch to him. They just simply wouldn't pitch. He knew he was going to walk and he had all right. the armor
1: out there. But re-
0: regardless, I think it still comes back to the idea, at least with this, when you see that the advent of relievers have changed how hitters have hit. That's the key thing. I think it's less that old school pitchers would get super tired even though we see a good deal of evidence for that there are still plenty of guys that hit just pretty much the same so certainly there was no net negative to the batter so so here's what I'll do so I'm
1: going to go back and I'm going to look at some great pitchers and since we know they pitched a lot of the, the, the old game look at Christy Mathewson look at Walter Johnson you know some of these, look at you know, his batting you know, average look at their, no, look at their ERAs and, in and those whatnot, last couple of in the innings. last three yeah. innings and how much better or
0: worse. now these are great pitchers chances are they were probably great the whole game, right? But you're gonna see, just it's gonna be like, oh, he went from like two point one five in the first three innings to like two thirty to two forty five. You get this data, which, right. is, As, as you pointed out, it's n- tough to ultimately, get. Ultimately, what is true though is that with relievers now appearing more and more, averages go down as relievers come in. That is that is in conclusion, and that's why we have relievers. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Cool.